Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 126 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim and want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And like I mentioned, you know, in uh, in, in the last episode, uh, uh, today's topic, we will talk about the angels, the definition of, you know, the angels in Islam. And this will be a summarized version because we already in, you know, in early uh, seasons, uh, I have had a, a mul- multiple episodes, like I had a series talking about the angels in, in a lot of detail. So this is going to be more of a summarized version, you know, more of a contained uh, version of, of the series. Uh, and yeah, so uh, again, we need to remind ourselves, because uh, it's been a while, again, it's been years since we actually talked about the angels. We talked about the, the, the jinn in the previous season, but uh, we need to remind ourselves about what are, you know, what is the true and authentic definition of, of the angels, right? Uh, I, I, especially heading into the, 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 the major signs, inshallah, which we will, inshallah, as, as long as, you know, nothing drastic happens to, to change the plan, but inshallah, the plan is in the first episode of, of, of Ramadan, inshallah, I believe it's going to be the 26th, uh, we will start talking about the major signs, but we need a reminder in terms of uh, the angels. Again, we last time we talked about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and people needed that reminder. Uh, and inshallah, uh, today we will talk about the angels and I believe 100% that many people need that reminder. Because, uh, well, like, listen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about the angels and gave us information about them to boost our iman, our faith. We need to know their abilities, what they like to do in terms of like the believers, right? The, the believer, there, there's a connection between the angels and the believers. And there's also a connection, not in a good way, between angels and disbelievers. So we need to know all these things for our, uh, by the way, uh, this is something I don't know if I ever addressed this on the podcast before, but one of the topics that got me into studying Islam and becoming a student of knowledge in Islam that piqued my interest. The first topic was without a doubt the Day of Judgment. Once I started uh, reading, um, you know, reading on the Day of Judgment and actually listening to scholars online and attending actual classes, that ma- that changed my life. Uh, completely it changed my life like i was uh i i would even say less than average muslim you know i would i would struggle fight in terms of praying five times a day i would uh you know not read quran for like maybe months i'm not even exaggerating and uh once i and subhanallah it just happened like it was not something that i was planning on studying 
and I started, you know, learning about the Day of Judgment. The second topic that got me again into, uh, alhamdulillah, doing doing this and, and studying Islam in a very, very deep and advanced way was the angels. So I, I don't know if I've ever said this when I was talking about the angels before, but this is for, the, for those of you who are, you know, again, interested in knowing like what kind of topics that made me more interested in in you know uh, studying islam one of them this literally the second topic and i was amazed and again that's the whole purpose right i was amazed and it gave me this kind of uh, motivation to learn more about my religion because i was in awe and i was wallahi amazed to like a very high degree uh with the abilities of the angels the sizes of the angels how they obey allah all these things so inshallah today my goal is to uh give that boost give that motivation inshallah to you guys and remind again myself and you with uh what is authentic about the angels what and, and we're gonna do it like the, the previous uh, episode by the way when we talked about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we said we will uh, tackle the, the actual definition of allah who is allah and then we will tackle the misconceptions and then the relationship between us and allah and this is exactly the same uh you know pattern that i will inshallah follow in this episode we'll talk about what is what we know about the angels again not everything because this is a summarized version uh, and also what are the misconceptions about the angels and then the relationship between mankind and the angels so let's talk about it uh, now when you talk about the definition of you know the angels what are the angels it's, you're going to talk about physicality because again allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like we we mentioned last time a lot there, there, there is an essence to allah allah is not just a spirit right allah has a body we talked about this allah has feet we talked about this allah has hands has tips fingertips uh you know these things right angels also have physical uh, attributes as well and they are mentioned in the quran first of all what are they made of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us as human beings from mud or you want to call it clay Allah created the jinn like we learned in the last season from smokeless fire, fire that does not have smoke. And again, we're talking about when we talk about fire, we don't know which type of fire. Is it like this worldly fire or it's something out of this world, right? And, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best about that, but they were made out of fire. Now, angels, as, as many of us know, and again, for those of you who do not know, are made out of light, now it's not that light that comes out of your lamp or like you know the, the 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 ceiling light. It's a different type of light. It's a natural light, you know, not a light that's basically generated by electricity. Because I know the, 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 every time I mention, even in an in person like classes or lectures, and I say angels are made uh, made by you know made of light, and then immediately the students think of oh they're like this light and they look up in uh, you know at the ceiling it's not that it's more of a natural light and again we don't know what kind of light is it is it something that's worldly like the because the natural lights that we know are the lights coming from what from um the sun and the lights coming from the moon and the light coming from uh actual fire like a natural fire so we don't know what kind of light and i'm assuming it's something that's out of this world but it is light right uh, now th does that mean when you look at them like so you know some movies depict and, and we're going to get to the misconceptions in a second like it, it, are you talking to a being that's just light with like some sort of a silhouette that's made out of light or no it's they have a body they have they speak they talk they have Again, like I said, physical attributes, you're talking to an actual being, not a, just a silhouette, 
but when I say made, uh, made, they're made of light, that means the original substance. Same like us. Think about it like this. We were made of clay or, uh, again, mud. To be more specific, it is mud, not clay. But, okay, we're made of clay. Are we clay now? No, we are. We have skin. We have bones. You know, we have uh, blood. We, we have different attributes. So what's up with this whole we're made out of clay or, or, or mud? Well, the original substance of mankind was mud or clay. The original substance of the jinn were, uh, was fire. Now, they're not fire anymore. They have, again, like some, whatever their bodies are, whatever their like physical attribute, it's not, they're not like fire flying around everywhere. Okay. Same thing goes for the angels. Angels were made the original substance made out of light, but they have bodies like us. Now, we don't know what kind of bodies they have. They're not humans. So the rules of humans, same thing, do not apply on angels. So that is uh, basically uh, what we know of about their like uh, the substance of their creation. Uh, now, w- what we know also is that uh, they have wings. So angels have wings. Uh, and it's mentioned numerous times in the Quran, numerous times in different hadith that they have wings. Now, by the way, n- they don't all have the same number of wings. There's a hadith by the Prophet and he is one of the most fascinating things. Angel Jibril, Angel Gabriel, which we call, and there's actually, it's very authentic, Islamically speaking, he is called the Holy Spirit. Angel Jibril is called the Holy Spirit, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is not just a Christian thing. The Holy Spirit, well, they call him the Holy Ghost. We don't believe that he's the Holy Ghost. We believe that he's a Ruh al-Qudus. This is in the Quran and in the Sunnah. The Spirit. And the Prophet one time called him in an authentic hadith, Ruh al-Qudus, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in Islam, we call his nickname basically is the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, Angel Jibril or Angel Gabriel, he has 600 wings. The Prophet counted, of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed him. It's not like he sat down because a lot of people have a problem with this. When the Prophet saw Angel Jibril for the first time in his true form, Right, and uh, I, I don't think he did the, the calculation or he found out the number of wings in the first time. Maybe it was the night of Isra and Maraj because the, uh, the Prophet saw Angel Jibreel twice. Uh, the, the majority of the scholars agree that it was twice on his true form, and then the rest of the time he was transformed into he took the human form, Angel Jibreel. So the Prophet, one of the two times, said that he saw Angel Jibreel and he has 600 wings. So a lot of people have a problem with that. Wait, did Prophet Muhammad sallallahu started counting? Oh, one, two, three, four, five. Like he was, how did he know that number? See, a lot of people have, uh, you know, oh, we have a problem here. There is a, a, a flaw in, 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 in you know, in your, your literature, in Islam, in the seerah, whatever. How did he know that, did he sit down and count every, no. Allah informed him. Allah told him. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet a lot of things. How did the Prophet know anything he told us about hellfire? Did he see it? Was he in hellfire? No. Allah informed him. It's very simple. A lot of people have this logistics problem like that doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. When you have a human being who is appointed to be the final prophet and messenger by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will tell him things. 
you know like uh i, I don't want to get i will get we'll get into that now i don't want to get into it right now talking about the sizes of the angels but one of the things is that they vary in sizes and the again the size of angel jibril was uh he that he blocked the horizon the prophet said and this is something that you can easily spot like he to him prophet Muhammad, to Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Angel Jibreel blocked the horizon. He covered between the heavens and the earth. Like the Prophet saw nothing passing through Angel Jibreel. He was just covering the whole horizon. But the idea of 600 wings, he was told by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. It's not like he sat down and started counting from one to 600, okay? So that is that. So they all have wings. Some of them have normal two wings. Some of them have 600 wings. And of course, we assuming that there are those who are in between. So that is, now there's a question, when were uh, the angels created? That's another big question that a lot of people ask. Well, we know for a fact that they were created before Adam, uh, peace be upon him, alayhi salam. Before Adam, alayhi salam, uh, uh, the angels were, because they were there in the process. We talked about in the chapter of Baqarah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, Inni ja'ilun fil khalifa, I'm about to create someone who is a human being on earth. And give them the khilafah of earth, give them the successorship on earth, not not successorship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, 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 no. It's complete. Like they will be in control of earth, right? And by the way, here's something very interesting. This verse, Allah scholars say that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, either, like here, here is the, the, the interesting part about this verse. Allah said, ardi. Uh, Adam will be giving in he will be Adam and his progeny human beings will be in charge of earth but then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept him in, in 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 paradise so did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always intend for Adam to go to earth like was Allah playing Adam and know he was going to eat from the tree cuz again again you have a lot of people who have those questions now here are the two answers for that one it's one of the two number 1 what do we know about Allah Allah knows what? The future. You Do you think for a second Allah did not know that Adam will eat from the tree? But Allah did not interfere, right? Allah knows everything until, wait, to infinity, not even until the day of judgment. Allah's knowledge when it comes to the future or anything is infinite. Allah knows everything that will happen, like we said before when we talked about destiny. And Allah knows everything that did not happen. It's, it's a very hard concept I understand to grasp, but that's what it, basically that's the reality when it comes to Allah's knowledge. That's why when we say Allah, we cannot comprehend how Allah works. That's one of the things. It's very difficult for our human mind to comprehend that Allah knows what happened and what didn't happen. You know, like the roads uh, not taken, right? So anyway, so that is one uh, interpretation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew, always knew, and it makes sense. Allah And Allah indeed knew that Adam, by the way, uh, here's the thing. Uh, there was a debate, this is an authentic hadith by the Prophet between Adam, when he met them at the night of Isra and Ma'raj. Remember, go back to season four, I believe, when we talked about the biography of the Prophet it had a whole uh, two episodes, I believe, talking about the night of Isra and Maraj, the, the, the night journey and the ascension to the heavens, which is a big deal in Islam and one of the greatest miracles that the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed our Prophet sallallahu with. But then he witnessed an argument between, when he remember, when he went to Jerusalem uh, on the night of uh, Isra and Maraj and he met all the prophets and the, he met them all in the, you want to call it the spirit realm. Right, they were all dead, but he met them in the spirit realm, except for Prophet uh, Isa, Jesus Christ. He was alive, 
But every other prophet and messenger, they were all dead. And then he and they interacted with him. It was just something, subhanAllah. Like, if, can you imagine? Can you, it's, it's again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of anything, but it's just subhanAllah, it's amazing. But anyway, so he witnessed an argument between Adam, peace be upon him, alayhi salam, and Musa, alayhi salam, Moses. And they both were talking. And then Moses told Adam, oh, Adam, uh, the, the first creation of Allah Allah created you with his own bare hands basically We know that for a fact Why is it that you you know made us come down here to earth We could have lived in Jannah in paradise But you ate from the tree It was again it was not like an aggressive accusation or anything But Moses is like a little sour you know Like we could have stayed in paradise This is actually an, like an authentic conversation that took place Very interesting and he said, we could have stayed in Jannah, but you ate from the tree and because of you, we're now here. Again, it was not an aggressive thing. It was just a little sour. And then look at this. And Prophet Adam, peace be upon him, said what? He said, and you are Moses, the one who spoke to Allah. That means Adam was informed about Moses, even though he came way after he passed away, like thousands of years after. So he said, and you are Moses, Musa. Kalimullah, the one who spoke directly to Allah by the mountain of Tur. For those of you who don't know, Moses used to speak to Allah directly. Kalimullah, uh, didn't you know? Look at this. Didn't you know? This is the response of uh, Adam uh, to Moses. Didn't you know that everything has been determined by Allah in the Lawh al Mahfud? Basically, don't you know that everything is meant to be? Everything is written. Everything is destined. Now, the Prophet was telling us what happened between them. Now, he's commenting. The Prophet is telling the companions when he was telling them that story. He said, He said it three times. Meaning what? Adam won the argument against Moses. Adam won the argument against Moses. Adam won the argument against Moses. What does that mean? Remember when we talked about destiny, we said what? The right attitude, if something bad happens to you, or even if you committed a sin, in the past, you already committed the sin. You already did something wrong. You already, something bad already happened. What do you say? It was meant to be. May Allah forgive me and move on. Because it was meant to be. That is true. Now, it was not, uh, please, just, I know that this is kind of, again, um, kind of a, a very confusing territory for those who have a problem with destiny as a topic. That doesn't mean that Allah made you do this or made you commit the sin. No, but it was written that you were going to commit it because Allah saw the future. I know I keep, it's a broken record, but I have to keep reminding people because this is something that confuses a lot of people, including Muslims. Allah knows the future. You already committed the sin. It's been written that you, not that it's been written that you will commit it because Allah wanted you or you were forced in terms of destiny wise to commit the sin. No. You were Allah, let's say Allah knows the future. Allah saw the future that you will commit the sin. So Allah wrote it because that is your future. It's just very, that it's pretty simple and plain. So it's already written that you already did that. So the right attitude of a believer is that when you commit the sin, because you didn't know, so that then you say after you commit the sin, it was already meant to be. Uh, and then you move on, you repent and do these things and you try to correct your path. 
you do not use the idea of it's written for future sins. That is not the attitude of a believer. So you, it's not, for example, you're about to commit a sin, you'd be like, well, if I commit it, it's going to be written anyway. So it's written upon me for me to commit the sin. Because that's what the disbelievers do. Remember the disbelievers say, لَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ مَا أَشْرَكْنَا The disbelievers say, and this mentioned in the Quran, if Allah wanted, we would never disbelieve. They're blaming their future sins or their current sins on destiny. So it's never meant to be for us to believe. So we're going to keep, you know, disbelieving. No, that you're a complete disbeliever now. And you're a major sinner if you're a Muslim, of course, and you keep doing that. What that, the attitude is, you try your best to stay away from sins. But if you sin for any reason or you commit a mistake and it's already done, then, then you say it was already meant to be. Then you can blame it on destiny as you want. But of course, you are the one who's being held accountable, not destiny, right? So that is the difference here. So Adam did what? Going back to the topic. Adam blamed the past sin on destiny. It was already meant to be. That is the right attitude of a believer. Adam did the right thing. Adam said it was meant to be. Adam did not blame the future sin or while he was eating from the tree, he was like telling himself, oh yeah, well, it's probably written upon me to, to, do, to eat from the tree, so I'm just going to do it anyway. He did not do that. He blamed it at way after, like way, thousands and thousands of years after, he said it was meant to be. And I repented and Allah accepted the repentance and we moved on. And of course, Moses couldn't respond. And the Prophet ﷺ, like I said, commented and said, Adam definitely won the argument. So why do I mention this? Because again, I mentioned that verse that Allah said, I'm creating someone who will inhabit earth. Anyway, so, the, the, so they were there and they had, remember, we all know the famous story. They opposed the idea of Adam being created. They did oppose it. And the, the, why did they oppose it? And that's bring us to the second part of the question. Were they created before the jinn or were the jinn created before them? There's no explicit uh, text from the Quran or the Sunnah that tells us whether angels were created before jinn or, uh, or vice versa. We know for a fact that they were created definitely before Adam because they witnessed the process of the creation of Adam, right? However, we don't know what else. So most likely, the, the, the majority of the scholars, and there is no, not a solid text that they're basing this on, but they, if you collect a few um, hints from certain verses in the Quran and certain hadith, it makes sense that they were also created before uh, the jinn as well. So they were the first creation or intelligent creation that we know of, that we know of before uh, jinn and, of course, mankind. This is the evidence that uh, the scholars who are saying that are using... And, uh, to me, again, this is my personal opinion. I think it's a very solid evidence. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created uh, paradise and hellfire, this is authentic hadith, by the way, uh, he basically called Jibreel and he told Jibreel, go take a look at paradise. Go, go take a look at Jannah. So Jibreel went and took a look at Jannah and he saw that it was the most beautiful thing ever. Like it just, it's unbelievably beautiful. So he went back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he spoke to Allah and he said, Oh Allah, uh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And no one would hear about this unless they would love to go in it and, you know, live in it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put thorns around Jannah. And I'm going to explain that hadith now. Put thorns around Jannah, like uh, and traps and so forth. So he said, go look at it now. 
Then Jibril goes and looks at it. He sees the, the thorns and the traps. He goes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, I'm afraid that no one will be able to enter Jannah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, go take a look at hellfire. I just created hellfire. Go, to, go take a look at hellfire. So Angel Jibreel goes and takes a look at hellfire and he comes back and he's like, oh, this is the most terrible, terrifying thing I've ever seen. I doubt that anyone will go in, in hellfire. Mean willingly, of course. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala surrounds hellfire with temptations and then he asks Jibreel, go take a look at it again. So Angel Jibreel goes and he looks at it and then he comes back and he says, oh Allah, I'm afraid that no one will avoid going into hellfire. It's very tempting. Now, I want to, let me explain this part first before we get into our main point here. Um, the thorns are, what, what are the, those thorns? What are those kind of, what is the what, are, what what is that fence surrounding Jannah that's preventing people, according to Angel Jibreel, from entering Jannah? It's worshiping Allah. It's worshiping Allah. Praying the five daily prayers. Reading Quran, remembering Allah, being a good Muslim. So these thorns are metaphoric to the work that we have to do to enter Jannah. You get it? These thorns are metaphoric to the amount of work we have to put in. Because Allah said, and I keep mentioning this in the, on the podcast, Allah said this is the most expensive commodity Allah is offering. You know, if you have a mansion and you have what a hundred billion dollars in a bank account and you have mashallah the biggest family in the world that's nothing that's not even close to what allah is offering when it comes to jannah this is the most expensive commodity allah's offering so to work for it pray five times a day be a good muslim fasting ramadan do good deeds paying zakat all these things are thorns that are preventing us from entering Jannah. Now, this is not something that Allah is trying to make our lives difficult or He's trying to prevent us from entering Jannah. No, no, no. This is on us because we are too lazy. We want just free Jannah. We want to go to Jannah, but we don't need to work for it. It's like you want to pass and get A uh, in, or even A plus in your exam without studying, without even reviewing the test, without anything. That's that. That's not how life works. And that's definitely not how the hereafter works. You know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, this is the way to enter Jannah. That's why the thorns around, uh, you know, surrounding Jannah, they're not for the believer. They're for the average Muslim or the average human being who does not care that much. Do you guys understand? So don't think that Allah is trying to prevent us because if Allah doesn't want us to enter Jannah, he does not need justification. Just to let you know, Allah does not need to justify his actions to any single entity. Do you get it? So Allah does not need to do all that work and all these, you know, prayers and zakah and, and, and hajj and all these things and being a good Muslim, do not lie, do not cheat and stay away from sins. And Allah does not need to do all that to prevent us from entering Jannah. Allah could just say, do not enter Jannah. Who's going to hold Allah accountable? No one. So Allah is telling you, work for Jannah like you work for anything in this life. But Jannah is the most expensive thing ever in existence. So that that when it comes to Jannah. Now let's talk about the temptations, the beautifying hellfire. And we know these are all the temptations, the sins that Satan beautifies for us that will make it easier for us to go to hellfire. 
that is technically that that is problematic you know so satan basically tells us oh adultery feels so good right uh, haram relationships alcohol what a wonderful time you know uh drugs steal money do all this all that all the temptations around the world usury yeah you're gonna own a house you're gonna own a car in no time all you have to spend a little bit of usury don't worry about it all these temptations that we are in love with you know all like we talked about this in the first episode of the season you know there's this whole like trend you want to follow the trend you want to be famous for all the wrong reasons unfortunately but it's temptation you like that kind of attention that you're getting from complete strangers. You like it. And that's what makes it easier to enter hellfire than to enter Jannah. So anyway, so that was basically, again, a metaphoric where for the, the temptations and the sins and how they are being beautified by Satan and his followers. And that's why it's more likely for people to incline towards hellfire, not knowing that they're going or not thinking about hellfire, but it's just because they follow their own desires and temptations. Anyway, my point from explaining this incident or this hadith is that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he created heavens, uh, the, 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 the uh, paradise and hellfire, it makes more sense that jinn were not created yet. Because jinn is part of what? They're like us. They have the freedom of choice. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wouldn't create jinn before hellfire and before paradise like human beings, right? Human beings were created after the fact that hellfire and paradise were created. So I believe it makes narrative sense. It makes more sense logically that the angels were created because Angel Jibreel was already there when you know uh, paradise and hellfire were created. So it makes more sense. Again, there's no explicit verse or text that tells us jinn were not created at this, this point or jinn were created at this point. But it makes, to me, it makes more sense that jinn were not created before the angels because they were not created before the creation of you know uh, paradise and hellfire hence we i believe the chronological order is uh, angels uh, jinn and then mankind so anyway so that is uh, that is that now another attribute or uh, another thing that the angels uh, in terms of physically speaking they can like i said take the form of of humans you know, they can take the form, and, and, and Angel Jibreel used to take the form of uh, a companion by the name of Dehya al-Kalbi. He was known to be a very handsome companion, and Dehya al-Kalbi would, would again, he, he was alive, but then when the Prophet would talk to him, so there's not a lot of hype, oh, this is Angel Jibreel, so he would take the form of Dehya al-Kalbi uh, when he goes to talk to the Prophet sometimes, not all the time. So yeah, uh, also... Uh, Angel Jibreel remember the famous hadith when he went and he was wearing white clothes and, and, and a white garment and he walked into the masjid of the Prophet and he started asking him about the, the pillars of Islam the pillars of Iman and he was sitting right in front and nobody recognized him he was not Dahil Kalbi he was not anybody they thought he was a stranger who was like a traveler passing through uh, Medina and he sat right in front of the Prophet and he kept asking what are the pillars of, of Islam what are the pillars of Iman what is the pillars of uh, uh, Ihsan like the definition of Ihsan right and he was asking him all these questions and then when he left because he was talking in a very kind of sharp tone very firm tone so everybody's like, who is this guy talking to the Prophet ﷺ like that? And then once he left, they asked him, who, who was that, O Prophet of Allah? And the Prophet ﷺ said, that was Jibreel, angel Jibreel came to teach you guys about your religion. So that is also another thing that, you know, we need to know about angels, that they could take the form. Like, and the two angels who went uh, to Prophet Ibrahim, who were on their way to Prophet Lot, 
and we know the whole story about Prophet Lut or Prophet Lot with the homosexual nation, and they were going there to warn that the nation or warn Prophet Lut himself, hey, your people, that's it, time's up for them. And they were chased by people. Remember, they were like the, the men uh, of, of that village or that kind of like town. They started flirting with the angels. Why? Because they took the form of handsome men and it made it easier for you know them to talk. And it was the, la the final test basically for those people. And then, of course, the whole nation was destroyed. Of course, the believers left with Prophet Lut and uh, his family, except for the wife, the wife of Prophet Lut. We mentioned this in the LGBTQ um, kind of episode. Uh, the wife of Prophet Lut was indifferent. She did not support her husband. And she did not go against him. And because of that, she committed a great sin because she's the wife of a prophet. She should have supported him, but she was like too afraid. Unfortunately, we see this today. Just, you know, that they she was too afraid to speak up and uh, she wanted to be popular, I believe. or all, God knows her intentions, but she did not speak up. Um, and that could be interpreted as she was agreeing with... Uh, the people of loot the homosexual you know group of, of loot but anyway yeah so again they could take the form of men um also there's something very interesting right there are certain creation this is something uh, i don't know again if i ever mentioned this before but there are certain creation that they can see the angels in, in their true form and uh, one of them are roosters so roosters they actually see angels like they see them in the real form, subhanAllah. And this is Allah's will. Like people might say, well, what's the wisdom behind that? We just don't know Allah's will. That's all they can see, uh, you know, uh, uh, so they can see angels in their true form. And uh, the Prophet actually told us this in an authentic hadith. When you hear the crowing of a rooster, rest assured they saw an angel. And when you hear the braying of a donkey, like the, 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 the voice that the donkey makes, they have seen shaitan. So the donkey, they, they see shaitan, the devil on their true form, but roosters, they see the angels and, and so forth. Anyway, uh, uh, another thing is that they are extremely beautiful to look at. Again, when the Prophet would see them, he said, these are just extremely beautiful beings. And uh, again, another thing, physically speaking, they vary in ranks. And we know this because we know that as far as we know, Angel Jibreel is the highest in rank. Angel Jibreel is mentioned as he's the leader of the angels. Uh, so they obviously have ranks. Same thing. And by the way, this is mentioned during the Battle of Badr. Uh, Angel Jibreel literally told the Prophet when they were helping the Muslims during the battle, I brought in some of the top angels in terms of ranks to fight with me in this battle. Which means this is this is incredible. Like, yeah, they have ranks like just like us. Uh, here's something very interesting. I want to address this because this was uh, I was being asked this question: Do really angels have to fight? Is it like a fight? Uh, I thought angels were like have crazy superpowers that Allah would give him super. That is very true. Allah would give them superpowers. That's why it was not even a fight. They had to participate in a battle because Allah. Why would a fight need to take place? Allah could have literally literally obliterated the, the enemy of Islam, the, the people of Quraysh in the, uh, during the Battle of Badr. But Allah doesn't work that way. We always mention this. You have to do the work. You have to do the work. Even if you're doing it for the sake of Allah, you have to do the work because it's all about you being tested. It's not about Allah winning. Allah does not need to win or lose. Allah does not need anyone. 
So Allah could have wiped out the entire army of the, 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 the disbelievers, but he didn't because it's about you and me and, and the Muslims. Of course, it was about the testing, the companions at the time. So that's why Allah sent the angels to show the believers that we're helping you out. And by the way, it was not even a fight. The angels would touch the disbelievers and they would just immediately die. It's not like the angels were like struggling. Oh, this is a very tough. No, none of that happened. Angels did not break a sweat. It was not it was not even anything to the angels. They would like, and we mentioned this. Again, I don't want to go into the detail of that. You want to go back to the battle of Badr. You, 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 inshallah, you'll hear all the details about that. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they vary in ranks like uh, Angel Debril mentioned and Allah SWT mentioned uh, many times. So yeah. And here is the big one. Here is the big one. Ready? They don't have gender. I know this is a hot topic today. <laughs> I know in today's world, this is a very hot topic. I know a lot of uh, people who are like, angels uh, are always referred to as men. We mentioned this in the last episode, talking that Allah, you call Allah, he, right? People have problems with that. <laughs> Subhanallah. Uh, and we mentioned uh, before that angels do not have gender. Yes, they're being called he, and they were called him, and whatever. It's like they're like referred to as a male presence, right? When you're referring to them. However, they don't have male or female. They're just called he. Like when you talk about Angel Jibril or Angel uh, Mikael or Israfil, they're like referred to as male when it comes to like you know pronouns, if you want to call it. But they don't have gender. And please. For the love of Allah, do not take what I just said in terms of they don't have a gender and try to say, well, then we are allowed to not have gender and we're allowed to be non-binary. Why angels? Because wallahi, you'll be shocked. There are so many people who are lacking logic and sanity and they will, oh, well, angels don't have gender. So why should I have gender? Because you were created with gender because Allah assigned you gender because Allah said it in the Quran explicitly. We made males and females as human beings. Gender applies to two species. Uh, I mean, uh, sane species or intelligent species. Of course, animals and birds and all these things, of course, uh, applies to them. But when it talks to like intelligent species, jinn and mankind, we have females and males, like we have genders. Angels out of the equation. Of course, Allah subhanahu of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is out of this entire like you know equation because Allah is the one who created the idea of genders. So please do not say, Well, see, there are some creation who don't have gender. No, you, you do not make those rules. Okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who makes the rules. Uh, also, uh, they do not eat nor drink nor use the bathroom. They don't have the restrictions when it comes to, uh, you know, like us, you know, like they don't have, like I said, we have certain restrictions, even gin, they need to eat and drink and all these things, right? They do not sleep and they do not get tired. That's also another thing. And they do not do a single thing without going back to Allah. That is a big difference between, and we, we mentioned this, they are not, they don't have the freedom of choice like us. I, however, they are intelligent. They're not robots. And I'm going to address that when it comes to the misconceptions. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, talking about like, you know, they have, uh, they don't have certain limitations that we do indeed have as human beings. Now here's uh, a piece of uh, an interesting information. Did you guys know that angels have shifts? Yes, they have shifts. There are two shifts, by the way, when it comes to us human beings. There's a day shift and there's a night shift. 
literally so when they come and they do their affairs uh, here on earth whether like you know being with us whether uh, there is because we're going to get to the types of angels in a second but when they do their affairs on earth there is a day shift that literally comes down like that shift comes down and it's a huge amount of angels we don't even know the number but we know that it's huge they come during fajr prayers so they come down during fajr prayers and uh, when they finish the day shift, the day shift ends at Asr time, at Asr prayers. And then the night shift comes during Asr and then they leave during Fajr. So like these two, uh, uh, these two, like these two shifts basically. And the Prophet said in an authentic hadith, is as, as explicit as it gets. You know, here's something very interesting. When they come down, the, 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 let's say the day shift when the day shift comes uh, during Fajr time and then that means the night shift is about to go up in the heavens in the skies they both both shifts attend the Fajr prayers whatever it's being prayed whatever in any mosque in any place they attend the prayers they see the they basically surround the people uh, that were uh, that basically um, that are praying during these times and it happens also during Asr time when the uh, basically a night shift comes down to take the shift from the day shift. They both stay, both shifts stay during Asr prayers, which emphasizes the importance of Fajr and Asr. Now, all five daily prayers are critical. There's no way that you can miss or it's okay for you to miss one. As long as you didn't like, you know, oversleep or you, you didn't have this, like you were busy minded and, and it's a one time thing or, you know, happens once every blue moon. I'm saying like, it's not okay for you to miss prayers on purpose or being lazy or not even on purpose or getting attached to worldly stuff and just completely ignoring prayers. But what's emphasized here is that they, can you imagine the amount of angels attending Fajr prayers if you pray, especially if you pray in Jama'ah and congregation? Can you imagine the amount of angels attending Asr prayers? It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, so anyway, uh, and here's something very profound that happens right after this. Whoever is 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 going up to so like say let's say for the Fajr prayer, if if the angels all gather during the prayers, right, and then uh, that means the the night shift is going up. They go up to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and Allah asks them. How did you leave my slaves? How did you leave mankind? How did you leave my servants? And they say, they were praying, O Allah. Now, I want to explain something. And I again, I know I keep repeating this. I know I do. And I'm sorry, but I know some people have certain issues. Does that mean Allah didn't know that these people were praying, that the believers were praying? Does he need to ask the angels because he doesn't know, he doesn't see everything. Because I thought you said Allah can see everything. But now apparently not. He still asks the angels. That's not the case. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks the angels for us to know. This interaction takes place for us to understand the importance of these two prayers. To at least pray, it in, uh, pray them in congregation. Allah, it's a protocol. We said Allah has a protocol. Allah has a protocol. Allah sees everything. Do you think Allah needs angels? Just answer this question. Why does Allah use angels the way he uses them? Like they, they come down, there's like a shift. Some of them like uh, they sit on our shoulders. They right. Do you think Allah needs any of this? 
You don't think that Allah could keep track of our sins of every single human? Allah does not abide by any limits. But why angels? Because Allah has protocol. Allah puts protocol for this existence. And the protocol is angels are his soldiers, by the way, their nicknames. Junudullah, the soldiers of Allah. Does Allah need them? No. But Allah puts those protocols for them. You get it? And for us too, of course. Like, do you, do you guys understand that Allah puts, there's a method, there is a way to go about things. So anyway, that Allah is asking the angels for us to understand how important it is to, you know, pray these prayers. And Allah does that. It's not like just for us to hear about it and that's it. Allah does it because it emphasizes again the importance of, you know, the, the Fajr and the, uh, and the Asr prayers. Now let's talk about their numbers. Their numbers are technically, uh, their number is unknown to us. We don't know how many angels Allah created, but we have certain facts. So the first thing is that there is something called Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur, which is literally a Kaaba that exists right on top of our Kaaba, but in the heavens. Again, there is a Kaaba in the heavens called Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur. Same way, literally right on top, literally right on top of the Kaaba that we have here that when we go do Hajj, we go, you know, spin around and go around it. There is a Kaaba up in the heavens called Al-Baytul Ma'mur. Who is this Kaaba for? Angels. So angels do Hajj and they do Tawaf around that Baytul Ma'mur. Here's a, this is a fact. They do it every single day, by the way. Here's something very interesting. Every single day, 70 thousand angels do tawaf around the Kaaba and finish and never come back. They do it once in their lives. You have 70,000 different angels every single day doing tawaf. That shows you how massive their numbers are. This is insane. You have 70,000 angels every single day and they never come back. That means there is every single day a different 70,000 angels doing tawaf. So that is one example of the numbers. There's another example actually when we talk about, we will talk about it in, 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 a, in a lot of detail when we get to the actual day of judgment. But hell would be brought down to earth like on a land of gathering where we're standing waiting and, and, and the, the day of judgment is taking place. Hell will be brought to the land of gathering. Here's crazy fact. It will be care. It will have seventy thousand leashes, and each one leash is held by seventy thousand angels. Seventy thousand angels. Again, seventy thousand leashes. That's for Hellfire, and each leash is held by that. Shows you how massive Hellfire is, by the way. But also, it shows you the number of angels. It's almost five billion angels. Just. Those who are bringing hellfire. Just those who are bringing hellfire. So again, don't try to figure out their numbers. You never. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually explicitly says it in, I think, the chapter of Mudathir. Allah says, no one will know that the, the, the soldier, that that's the nickname of the angels, the soldiers of Allah, their numbers or anything, except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, that was for the physical part. Let's talk about the, the character-wise, like manners, right? They're extremely honorable. We know that for a fact. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually calls them honorable and noble. In the, in the, in the chapter of Abasa, kiraman barara. This is mentioned in the chapter of Abasa, verse number 16. Uh, also, Allah, in the chapter of Infitar, verse number 11, Allah calls them kiraman katibin. Kiraman means honorable 
and noble. Number two is that they are obedient and they never disobey Allah. And that, of course, refutes the idea that Satan was a fallen angel because they don't understand the idea of disobedience. They can't comprehend it. They don't do it. You got you get it? So that's that proves even further that shaitan was never a fallen angel. Uh, number three is that they are extremely shy. They become shy when we commit sins. They, out of like, they don't like it. and They're shy from the sin. And they become shy from a person. Look at this. Uh, one specific. We, we know the story. I mentioned it multiple times. Uthman ibn Affan. One of the great companions of the Prophet ﷺ. That because how shy he was all of his life. Uh, angels got shy from him. Like when angels like go around him, the Prophet was told and informed that angels are shy from him because how shy he is as a human being. And this is honoring Uthman ibn Affan for sure. Now, another thing is that, and this is something very interesting, they, they get repelled by certain things. They don't like certain things. For example, and this is something that a lot of people unfortunately uh, uh, do, which is do not go to the masjid while you have garlic breath it's a worldly thing right it's a worldly thing how is it affecting the angels again allah knows best but this is one of the interesting things like one time the prophet mentioned that you know he was staying at one of the companions house with abu Bakr. he was sleeping over and then uh, i believe uh, so he was offered uh, food and the food had uh, like raw garlic in it so the prophet refused to eat the food and he politely you know, return the, 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 the plate. And then they even thought that, oh, was the food bad? Did you not like the food? And of course, the Prophet uh, told them, no, 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 the food is amazing. However, I speak to those whom you do not speak to. And he meant the angels. The angels do not like the smell of garlic, which is a very interesting thing. But again, it is a fact. And, and that's why, by the way, you always need to smell good when you go to the, to the masjid because angels like that smell. By the way, there's something very interesting that angels, and, and I mentioned this before, and this is a big controversy, big controversy, but it's a very authentic, based on a very authentic hadith. Angels do not enter a house that has a dog uh, uh, or a, a, a picture. Let me pause here because I know the, the controversy is not the dog. The controversy is the picture. Now, we know the dog because it's impure animal and so forth. And, uh, you know, the waste of the, the animal of, of the dog is in the house. So they don't enter a filthy house, period. Uh, now, that what's mentioned by a house that has a picture or an image, basically, and this is the unanimous consensus of the scholars. This is not a split opinion. If you have a hanging picture... I'm not saying a sculpture because a sculpture is a no-no from the first place. You cannot have a sculpture of a, a living creature in your house, period. Uh, if you have a hanging picture of uh, a creation of uh, something with a soul, whether it's an animal, uh, whether it's human beings, whether it's an actual photo picture like taken by a camera or a cell phone, like a, what a wedding picture of you and your spouse. They do not enter. Guys, there is no debate about this. Wallahi, do you know how hard it was for me to take out down all the pictures that were on the wall in my house? It was difficult. So I had to make very deep, extensive, advanced research. And I'm telling you, and you could do your own research, but I'm telling you right now. Any hanging picture, by the way, we're talking about hanging pictures, pictures that are hanging on the, uh, on the wall. 
But if you have it on a table or like in a little bit of a frame that you have it on a desk, that's fine. These are fine. Any glorified pictures that are hanging on the wall that have uh, uh, humans or animals or birds, anything with a soul, trees are fine, rivers are fine, uh, flowers are fine. We're talking about animals, uh, humans, all these things with the soul. If you have them hanging on your wall, angels do not enter the house. You get it? There's an explicit hadith by the Prophet. One time he walked in, and uh, uh, Aisha, his wife, his beloved wife, our mother Aisha, had uh, a curtain curtain that had uh, uh, birds, like drawn birds on it. He literally took down the curtain and used it as a rug or a mat on the floor. And he said, Angel Jibreel told him that they do not enter, angels do not enter a house that has a dog or a picture, a hanging picture, or of course a sculpture as well. Sculpture you cannot have, even if it was on the floor, but we're talking about even 2D. This is like a 2D image. You cannot have it hanging. Now there is, uh, there are exceptions. Uh, the Again, the same amount of scholars are saying if the picture is deformed, if there's a deformed picture, like if, for example, if you don't show detailed people, if you saw silhouettes of people, people who are deformed, like on, because uh, perfection when it comes to creation is to Allah. Now, I'm going to get into why in a second, but like if you have a deformed picture, picture that it's you're just showing a, a silhouette or something similar, then it's fine. Again, many of the scholars, the majority are saying that that is allowed. But if you show a detailed picture of an animal, even if you did not draw it yourself, like you bought it off whatever, or if you took a picture, no, you do not uh, put this uh, and hang it on the wall. You can put it on a desk or whatever, but do not hang it on the wall. Now, the idea behind it is that you do not imitate the creation of Allah. Allah is the only one who creates and you do not glorify it by putting it uh, you know, hanging it on a wall. Now, a lot of people are like, but that's not the intention. You know how many people came to me and told me that is not the intention. We do not want to glorify and say, oh, we created that. Doesn't matter. It's not about your intention. It's about what the angels do not agree to. Angels do not compromise that Allah is the Lord and the creator. It's the angels. They don't want to enter your house because they don't find it that it's appropriate and Allah allowed it. So it's not about that. We're not saying that to those who hang pictures with like detailed uh, uh, creation with spirits uh, or a soul, that doesn't mean that they are defying Allah. No, we know that you're not defying Allah. However, this is something, one of the things, like I mentioned before, that you have to give up for the sake of Allah. If you want angels to come into your house, for more peace to be spread in your house, that only happens through angels. You know, trying to calm things down between you and your spouse or, you know, giving you good thoughts on all these things. If you don't have angels, guess what? What's the only thing left in your house that you cannot see? Jinn and evil jinn, specifically shayateen. You want this kind of balance between shayateen, at least, and, and angels in your house. Uh, so that is, yeah, so that is, I'm going to give you a little bit of a story here. Uh, this might get me in a little bit of a trouble in, in my household, but I'm going to be as vague as possible. There was we had a family we have a family member who uh, asked me uh, who made a, a picture for me uh, and uh, before I knew all of this back in the day I had it hanged and it was hanging on the wall and uh, when I found out and I, like I said I did a research I had to take it down and I had a lot of arguments with my wife about this 
and a lot of arguments with family members like people who came and they didn't see the picture hanging anymore and there was a lot of trust me i went through a lot it's talk like in, in when it comes to this specific subject i went through a lot with a lot of people friends even they're like dude really you took out all the picture like well, that doesn't make sense. Oh, of course i have pictures of like trees and and rivers and whatever that as long as there's no animals or humans or whatever so i uh one person came and we're like this is fine like a family member he came and was like this is it's not a big deal you know it's not glorified i'm like yeah but this is the sunnah i'm not i don't have the knowledge to tell you what i i don't have that knowledge I follow the sunnah of uh, the Prophet I follow the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If this is a, a verified sunnah, I don't I, I don't want to mess around here. I want angel, angels, inshallah, to come into my house. I need them. And every single one of us need them to come into your house. Of course, the, by the way, the angels that write the good deeds and the bad deeds, they will always come into your house. They always come with you even in the, in the bathroom. Those you cannot escape. You cannot, because <laughs> some people will be like, whoa, does that mean I can sin in my house and the angels who are writing uh, the, the, the deeds won't know? No, they, they will be with you. Those are the exception. But anyway, uh, later on, uh, a couple of days after uh, that family member was telling me about this, I was at uh, his house. And he was like looking at a, a, a picture that it was hanging on his wall. And he was like, well, but, but look at the level of detail. It's like, it's, it's, it's incredible, right? And I'm literally like, I looked at him. I was like, "Dude, you're just glor- you're just glorified it right in front of me. You told me, you told me that you you like a few days ago. It was incredible, and I believe it was not very a coincidence. I believe Subhanallah, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is like showing him that you are looking at it in awe, and it's like hanging on the wall. It's a praised object that you claim whoever drew this or whoever took that picture was a genius." You don't think about Allah's creation. You think about the ge- the genius who took that picture or who drew that you know painting or whatever. And again, angels do not enter. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. You can argue with this as much as you want. I know many people now, alhamdulillah, are, and I believe even that family member does not have Subhanallah. Imagine does not have, and maybe that was the incident that made him take down all the paintings. But anyway. The bottom line is whether you accept it or not, it does not negate the fact that angels won't come into your house. You do not dictate what the angels do and they do not do. You dictate what you do, that's fine, that's on you, but then you bear the consequences. My, that, so that is, I remember the point, big point of controversy. So here it is. Um, that is basically all I have to say about that. Anyway, so now let's talk about the names of the angels. Now we have eight confirmed names. That's what we, again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gave us those names and didn't give us other names because it was just not necessary or unnecessary for us to know about the other names. Those angels impact our lives in, in one way or another. Like Angel Jibreel, for example, that's the first name. He is responsible for the revelation. He is the leader of the angels, like, like I said. He is uh, the highest in rank and he is the one contacting prophets and messengers, uh, you know, and those who are chosen ones, basically, uh, to receive certain types of revelations. Uh, number two is Angel Mikael, uh, or Mikael, uh, or Michael, if you want to call him. He's responsible for the provision, uh, the rain, and so forth, and all these things. Number three, and this is a big, I'm going to give you a bit of an advanced uh piece of information most of us know that angel israfil who is mentioned in 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 the sunnah and his name is mentioned explicitly they believe that angel israfil is the one who will blow the horn uh to start the day of judgment 
Okay. Here's something very interesting. It was actually never confirmed that the bearer of the horn or the one who will blow uh, in the horn, it was never explicitly mentioned that he is Israfil. Okay. However, for some reason, the majority of the scholars, the actually the overwhelming majority of the scholars believe that it is Israfil. Okay. They believe that it is Israfil. Again, there is no explicit. Now we, the because the the bearer of the, the of the horn, or the trumpet, if you want to call it, both 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 apply. They were always mentioned in the Quran and even in the Sunnah as the bearer of the trumpet or the bearer of the horn. Hamil sur, Hamil sur. And Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu one time he was making dua, so he said, Oh Allahumma Rabba Jibreel, Oh Allah, the Lord of Jibreel, the Lord of Mikail, and the Lord of Israfil. So his name was mentioned in the Sunnah during the prayers of the of the Prophet. However, we don't know that we don't have an explicit connection between him and the trumpet, but for some reason, the majority of the scholars believe that he is the bearer of the uh, of the trumpet but anyway uh, we have another uh, angel his name is Malik and he is the gatekeeper of hellfire uh, we have Harut and Marut so now now Harut and Marut they are number 5 and number 6 uh, so we have Jibreel number 1 Mikael number 2 Israfil number 3 and Malik is number 4 Malik by the way is the angel who never smiled when he saw once he saw hellfire, that is the angel that the Prophet met uh, on the night of Isra and Mi'raj. And because of how terrifying hellfire is, he was not scared of it, but he was like concerned about that, the amount of people who will enter it because, again, they, they will be disbelievers. They will deserve it. However, it's just freaky and scary. Uh, Harut and Marut were the two angels that were sent to the children of Israel to teach him uh, magic. As a test, remember, Harut and Marut went to the children of Israel and said, we're going to teach you magic, black magic. However, like real magic. It is a disbelief in Allah if you learn. They literally gave him uh, uh, the disclaimer, if you do this, if you still want to go through and learn magic, you will be considered a disbeliever. Do you want to do it or not? And that was, of course, mentioned, uh, or that was, uh, they were sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to those people and most of them they said we don't care we just want to learn magic and it was very interesting but anyway so Harut and Marut now the last two are Munkar and Nakir and we know that the, those are the two who will come to you in the grave and ask you the three questions that we mentioned in a very in a lot of detail basically in, in the chapter of the trial of the grave uh, I think it was the episode uh, it was in the last season so yeah so we have eight confirmed uh, angels uh, that are uh, basically uh, mentioned uh, in the Quran and the Sunnah. Now, however, let me, let me tell you something very interesting. Let's go back to the bearer of the horn or, or the trumpet. Uh, the Prophet is describing him as this. Look at this. It's, it it kind of gives me goosebumps. The bearer of the throne, the angel who is holding the trumpet, is literally, this is happening as we as we are here right now in this moment. He's looking at Allah, at the throne of Allah, holding the trumpet. It's attached to him. His eyes are wide as two big planets. That's the description of the Prophet. 
And he's literally not blinking. The Prophet said that angel does not blink. His sole job is he's looking at the throne, waiting for Allah's command to end life on earth. Guys, do you, this is scary. The Prophet actually one time uh, the companions were laughing and then he, he, he barely smiled. So they said, oh, Prophet of Allah, is there a problem? Like what's, what's going on? Why are you not laughing with us? And that was the very famous response when he said, how do I laugh knowing that the bearer of the horn of the trumpet is standing, he's basically on standby, looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's not looking directly at Allah, looking at the throne, waiting for Allah's command to start the day of judgment, to end life on earth. How would I laugh when this is literally happening as you know, we're sitting here? And this is the state of the bearer of the horn, by the way. He is as, right, right now, right now, you guys are listening to this, I'm saying this, he is right now holding the horn, holding the trumpet, waiting for Allah's command. Eyes not blinking, they're wide as two big planets. That's the description that the Prophet gave. Waiting for Allah's command to end life. He And by the way, even the Prophet explains, he is not blinking because he's afraid to miss the command. He's so scared that Allah would say it and he will be like, you know, blinking or something. That's how ready he is to blow in the trumpet. It is terrifying that you have an angel right now who has been on standby since his own creation. Because I believe he was created for that sole purpose and Allah knows best. Now, we have other angels who are mentioned, by the way, but without a name, like the bearers of the throne of Allah. Now, we don't know if they're bearing the throne, if they're carrying the throne of Allah now as we speak, because we know explicitly that it's actually mentioned in the Quran, On the day of judgment, eight angels, eight angels will be bearing the throne of Allah, carrying the throne of Allah and bringing it down to the land of gathering on the day of judgment. So we don't know if, if the if, of the if the throne of Allah is being you know Hamalatul Arsh, what we call Hamalatul Arsh. And the Prophet actually there's an interesting hadith that the Prophet saw the bearers of the throne. So that makes it more likely that they are bearing the throne right now. We just don't know if they're eight now. Because what's again, what's because exp- I want to be very specific. What's explicitly mentioned is that on the day of judgment, eight angels will be bearing or carrying the throne of Allah to the land of gathering. Are they go? Are they eight now? We don't know. Okay, so what we know that there are eight who are carrying it on the day of judgment. And the Prophet says in a very beautiful and authentic hadith, "I was giving permission after he came back from the night of Isra and Maraj, by the way, from the night uh, journey and the ascension. He said I was giving permission to speak about one of the bearers of the throne. So he didn't mention. Oh, I saw eight. We don't know that. But the Prophet said I was giving." the permission to talk about one of the ones, the angels carrying the throne of Allah. Look at this. And wallahi, just it's, it's mind-boggling and, and it's beyond our comprehension. The distance between, the distance between his earlobe and his shoulder. So one of the angels who's holding or carrying the throne of Allah. The Prophet is telling us the distance between his earlobe and his shoulder is 700 years journey is a journey of 700 years can you imagine 
700 years journey to get from his earlobe to his shoulder it takes you 700 years journey and we don't even know is it like a flying journey or is it on a horse kind of journey like what kind of journey is that but it's 700 years it's insane 700 years journey massive by the way if you if you measure the distance between your earlobe and your shoulder it's a very short distance it's like a very tiny distance imagine imagine the rest of his body subhanallah it's a fascinating thing wallahi but anyway so the, the, these are the the ones that are not mentioned they don't have specific names per angel but they are called the hamalatul arsh or the bearers of the throne we have also the ones are the who are on our shoulders right you have the one who is on the left shoulder who writes the bad deeds the one who's on the right shoulder who writes the good deeds and we don't have names for them but we know that in size wise they are very tiny because we like we said angels vary in sizes also we have the angel of death uh, and he we don't have a confirmed name by the way for the angel of death despite the biggest misconception that his name is israel or azrael uh, that is simply uh, um, unconfirmed we do not know uh, if he is uh, his name is israel or azrael because it was never mentioned in the quran or the sunnah he was always referred to as the angel of death uh, and of course, we talked, you know, in in a lot of detail. I believe in, in in the last season when we talked about the process of death, and we said, you know, he comes and takes the soul from you know uh, from the deceased, uh, or the person who's about to die, and he's accompanied, or, or actually the the the, the angels of uh, mercy or the angels of of punishment, they come before the angel of death to prepare the the, the soul, right? And the, it all depends on, you know, whether the person is righteous or wicked. So we talked about that in a lot of detail. We also have the angel of the mountains. Also, we do not, as, as we do not have a name for him, but what we know is that he came to the Prophet Sallallahu right after the incident of Ataif, the city of Ataif, where they abused and harassed the Prophet Sallallahu and they made him bleed from head to toe. And he came to the Prophet Sallallahu by permission from Allah and told him, do you want me to destroy this city? And his name was the angel of the mountains because he's basically in charge of the mountains. How was that? Well, the city of Ataif was literally between two large mountains. And the angel of the mountains told the Prophet give me the command, just say it, say the word, and I will collapse those mountains on top of the city and they will be completely crushed. But then the Prophet of course said, no, uh, rather I want them, I'll make dua for them, you know, to be guided and from them comes out the best of, of the believers, which Alhamdulillah already happened. So you have that as well. You have angels, and we're talking now about the types of angels. You have angels who are uh, what, what we call them the protectors or the guardian angels, literally, who basically, uh, and they call them muaqibat in, in Arabic. Those angels basically are there to protect you from certain types of harms. Also, one thing is uh, angels can read our minds. Allah gave them that ability because it actually makes sense because they write our deeds. So if you're doing something, but you don't intend good with it, angels won't write it good for you. You, you get it. Or if you're doing something um, evil without with no intentions of evil, they, they know. So they need to know your intentions and they need to read your mind to understand. And one of the most fascinating things is that if you intend evil, if you intend to commit a sin, the angels don't write it down. And if you commit it, the angels write it as, you know, one sin. Now, if you intend evil, look at this. Subhanallah, wallahi, this shows the generosity of Allah. 
the unlimited generosity of Allah. If you intend evil, like I said, and you do it, you get one sin. If you intend evil and you back off because you're afraid of Allah or you, you know, you're doing the rethinking because you don't want to uh, displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, guess what? The angels were write it as a good deed. You didn't even do anything good. You just didn't do bad thing. You just backed off from doing something bad. Angels were write it as a good deed. Of course, this is all from permission with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gave them that permission so they would write you good deed. Now, when it comes to the good deeds, listen to this. If you have the intention to do good deeds, the angels already, just by the intentions, you don't have to do it yet. They write it as one good deed. Now, let's say that you go through with it and you actually commit that good deed or you do that good deed. The angels multiply this by 10. Just for the fact that you're doing something you intended uh, to do, which was a good deed. Now, let's say, let's say that you don't do it. You just don't go through with it. That one good deed for the good intention is still there in your book. How generous is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And that's why the Prophet told us, on the day of judgment, your, each good deed you do, you get 10 rewards. And each sin you commit, you get one sin. If your one sins are more than your 10 good deeds and tens and tens of good deeds, that means you're a terrible human being. Think about it. Each sin that you commit is one sin multiplied by one. And each good deed you commit is multiplied by 10. So at the end, if this, in the scale, if your, good, if your sins are more than your deeds, oh boy, that means you didn't, you're just a terrible human being. And that's why it's, it's subhanAllah, it's, it, it could happen. It's very easy to happen if you are just following Allah's guidance to have your you know, good deeds uh, outweighing your bad deeds. Anyway, now let's move on to the misconceptions. Uh, the fact that angels are daughters of Allah, that's, by the way, even Quraysh believed in that. That's, like I said, this is bogus. Angels are a creation of Allah that was created for one specific uh, thing which is to be soldiers of Allah, to do various things for Allah, not because Allah needs it, because Allah has a protocol and they interact with us in a very various way. We're going to move on to the whole interacting with, with angels in, in, in the next segment, inshallah. But yeah, so the angels are not humans. They're, they're not, they don't have a gender. They're not daughters of Allah. They're not helpers of Allah that, that in, in effect that Allah help needs their help. No, none of that. Uh, they're not robots also. One of the biggest misconceptions is that they don't have a mind of their own. They're just robots that Allah tells them to do what they do and then they just do it and they don't have any thinking process. They do not disobey Allah, yes, but they have thinking process and they talk to each other and all these things. Also, angels are not cannot be fallen like the biggest, that's the probably the biggest misconception that uh, Satan is a fallen angel. Like I said many times, this is not the case, will never be the case. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Uh, also, another thing is that angels have the idea of halos and how you see angels are being drawn and they're like have these like oval or like half a circle wing or what. That, that's none of that is is true. None of that makes sense. None of that's all bogus. Like we said, angels they have a very unique look that we don't know. We know they have wings. We have like certain things about them that we know, but we cannot have a full picture when it comes to you know what they actually look like. So that is the, some of the misconceptions. Again, um, uh, they're not, they do not make mistakes 
everything they do they, they have their own thinking they have their own uh, you know ideas they are intelligent however they do not make mistakes nor they commit any types of sins so that is when it comes to the misconceptions let's talk about uh, and and finally like again i know I'm, I'm, i could talk about this for hours but let's talk about the relationship between angels and human beings now like i said angels they hate uh, dictators and disbelievers and evil people they don't like them uh but they love the believers. As a matter of fact, they make dua for the believers. Like I said always on, on, on the podcast, when you recite the chapter of uh, Kursi, or if you make wudu before you go to bed every night, you are guaranteed, inshallah, an angel making dua for you. And an angel protecting you from you know evil jinn. It's very simple. And the process is so simple. Uh, you know, angels make dua for them. Very interesting stuff. When you sit down, let's go, you, you, you pray and you don't get up right away. You sit down and you do athqar after you do dhikr. You remember Allah, you say, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, these, you know, types of, types of dhikr. As long as you're sitting down, you did not stand up after the prayers and you're saying dhikr, an angel comes in front of you and keeps making dua for you. Allah, oh Allah, forgive him, oh Allah, forgive her. Like, can you imagine? Just by sitting down, again, it's not mandatory for you to sit down, but if you want to miss out on these, you know, on that dua and, and uh, that types of you know intercession in this life, you know, interceding on your behalf and asking Allah forgiveness on your behalf, then get up right away. And don't get me wrong, sometimes we get up, sometimes there's something we need to do, but whenever you can, try to sit down, and try to remember Allah after the prayers. Just keep stay sit, seated on the floor or whatever, and just remember Allah by saying, you know, the dhikr that comes after salah. Also, uh, angels who, when when you and me are talking right now, like let's say that now, right now I'm talking and you guys are listening. Like I said before, angels come and they basically, when they're flying around, they see that there are people who are talking about Allah. There are people who are listening and learning about Allah. They literally write your name go back to allah and allah says they are today from the forgiven now you can commit sins later on and you might not be from the forgiven but the idea that you're seeking knowledge or the idea that you're speaking about allah in any type of gathering even digitally by the way any type of gathering mentioning allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that should be a good uh, kind of type of intercession and it basically uh, you know uh, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives us for our sins just for the fact that we're talking about him and that message gets delivered by angels another big deal in my opinion is that when you make dua for your muslim brother or sister just just make dua for them you know what happens angels come to you and they say and you shall have the same they make dua for you basically but here's something very interesting, my dear brothers and sisters. If you make dua against your brother or against your sister in Islam, the angels will still say, and you shall have the same. So be very careful. When you say, may Allah, you know, ruin the life of that person. Well, angels will come and say, and you shall have the same. So be very, very careful. Uh, when you're making dua against, as a matter of fact, try to make dua for people, especially people that you have a problem with. Because that shows you that you are the better person without even announcing to the world that you are the better person. You know, sometimes I had issues with, you know, some Muslim people, friends or whatever. And wallahi, I, once in a while, when I, when I remember, it's not like I don't do it on purpose, but whenever I remember, I just make dua for them, sincerely. Oh Allah, bless their lives. Oh Allah, admits them to Jannah. Oh Allah, guide them better and guide myself better. 
It's it's a beautiful Wallahi removes any animosity between any two Muslims. And of course we are allowed to make dua for non-Muslims only one specific type of dua that we're allowed to make, which is oh Allah guide them to Islam. Uh, otherwise we're not supposed to make dua for people to be blessed because what's important here is for them to be guided. If you really care about a non-Muslim, make this this the only dua that you're allowed to make and the most powerful dua actually that you're you, you can make for them, which is oh Allah guide them to Islam. Uh, here's something, another thing interesting. During Jumu'ah prayers, during the, the Friday prayers for Muslims, certain angels stand by the door of the masjid, of the mosque. This is, by the way, authentic hadith. And they are they record the names of the people who are entering the masjid. Who comes first, by the way? Can you imagine? They keep... This is insane, wallahi. But subhanAllah, that, that happens. They record the names of those. That's why I try to go to Jama'ah as early as possible. They record the names of people who enter the masjid early. And they stop recording the names or they stop writing the names once the imam says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. So if you go before the imam and you sit and wait for the imam, your name from the special people who attended Jama'ah early. You, literally, your name in that special book. Once the imam walks in and says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, angels close that book and go sit down and listen to the sermon just like humans. So your name is not special anymore if you come down if you come to, to Jum'ah after the Imam. Isn't that incredible? Wallahi, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, this is this is one of the things that Wallahi, it's just it's subhanAllah, it's amazing. And it, again, it makes you want to do better. Go to Jum'ah early. There's nothing again, if you can, if you're capable of doing so, do it because you want your name to be written from in that special book. Um Here's something that alhamdulillah since uh, I've learned I have been doing without a fail alhamdulillah alhamdulillah it's a blessing from Allah very beautiful in, uh, incident that took place during the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you know when you're standing in prayers right and you do the ruku' ruku' is when you bend and you put your hands on your knees right and you say subhana rabbiyal azim three times then the imam gets back what does what, what happens when the imam gets back or even if you're praying by yourself what happens you say sami'a allahu liman hamida Allah hears those who uh, basically glorify him. Sami Allahu liman hamida. Then the people say Rabbana lak alhamdu wa shukr, right? That's that's the default. That's the norm. That's the common response. Rabbana lak alhamdu wa shukr. Oh Allah, uh, uh, we glorify you and we thank you for our blessings. Rabbana lak alhamdu wa shukr. So one time the Prophet was doing ruku' and then they followed. He was the Imam of course. And they were following, and then he was saying, Subhana Rabbil Adim, Subhana Rabbil Adim, Subhana Rabbil Adim. Then he stands straight, he gets back and stands straight, and then he said, Sami Allahu liman hamida. Then everybody said, Rabbana walakal hamda wa shukr, except for one companion who said, Rabbana lakal hamda hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi. So he increased a little bit more. Instead of saying, Rabbana lakal hamd wa shukr, he said, Rabbana lakal hamd, hamdan kathiran, tayyiban, mubarakan fi. Oh Allah, may you be glorified, lots of types of glory. Hamdan kathiran, tayyiban, good and beautiful glory, pure glory, mubarakan fi, and blessed glory. Okay, that is basically the, the translation of the, the response. Then, when the Prophet he went to sujood. Of course, the Prophet didn't comment. They're in the middle of the prayers. Then after the prayers were done, he looked back and he said, who said that? 
Then one of the companions, he raised his hand and he said, Oh, uh, oh Prophet of Allah, I am the one who said that. Look what the Prophet said. He said, I saw 30 plus angels competing on who takes it up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, I saw 30 plus angels right now in the masjid competing on who writes it down, who writes what you said down and gives it to Allah so they can inform Allah that you said this. Can you imagine the beauty of this? How special you are? So since I heard this hadith, Wallahi alhamdulillah, I always say, Rabbana laka alhamda hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi. I don't say, Rabbana laka alhamda shukran. I mean, the, the, you're fine if you say that. There's no, but imagine every time you say it, angels compete who would write it down and takes it to Allah. That's how beautiful that phrase is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is one of the interesting, one of the most interesting things I've, I've heard. And of course, when you re- recite Quran, by the way, angels love to hear a believer reciting Quran and they gather around that believer. Of course, you don't see them, but you feel their presence. When you read in Quran in a khushu'ah, in a true, authentic way, they gather around. By the way, even if you're listening to Quran in your car, uh, you don't have to do it. Like any Quran that's being recited, but the person who's listening or the person who's reciting is in khushu'ah. In discipline and in, in 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 you know in like a complete focus, they come around and they listen to the Quran because they love Quran. Again, at the end of the day, angels are the absolute worshippers of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Now, angels will impact our lives uh, in very significant ways. First of all, we're talking about the believers. When you're about to die, we talked about this. Uh, when we talked about the moment of death, they come and they give you glad tidings. Do not freak out. Don't don't be scared. Here's your place in Jannah. They make you feel peace. They you know comfort you, and the same thing happens to the believers when they are, by the way, resurrected on the day of judgment. The resurrection moment is going to be a moment that will terrify all of mankind, because those who don't believe in resurrection, and even those who believed in resurrection, like Alhamdulillah, us. Imagine you, you you're dead, and imagine you're opening your eyes to the end to the day of judgment. You're literally awake. Your body is intact. You're like, you have a full body now. You know, you're not decayed anymore. Allah basically replanted your body. We're going to talk about that when we get to the day of judgment. And you're walking and you're seeing people are being judged. And you're seeing everything now. You're seeing angels. You're seeing jinn, shayateen, crazy things, people screaming. Disbelievers are like in pain and all these things. Then an angel will come to you as the believer and they will tell you, don't panic. We got you. Come with us to the land of God. Come. Come, don't worry. You're from the good ones. They will comfort you even on the day of judgment. What a beautiful scene will lie. In the midst of chaos and insanity and complete horror, the believers will have angels coming to them and comforting them and telling them, don't worry, you're fine, you're good. So yeah, that is that 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 is uh, you know I think it's a significant relationship between angels, and by the way, angels will also be in in paradise when we go to paradise. Inshallah, when we go to paradise, hopefully, and you'll find specific types of angels who are in hellfire, not pleasant ones. They're gonna hate you, you know. Malik, which is the gatekeeper, uh, which is mentioned in the Quran, by the way, they. 
people, the dwellers of hellfire will literally call Malik and they will say, please tell Allah to kill us. We, we can't live in, in hellfire anymore. But then Malik will say, there is no death after today. You are going to live for eternity here in hellfire. And so that is another you know, on on uh, on the negative side or the, on the bad side of interacting with the angels, you know, after the day of judgment. To conclude, angels are a creation of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that they do not disobey Allah; they do not have the freedom of choice, and they love the believers. They hate the disbelievers. Uh, they have hope in certain disbelief. Depend again, it depends on the level of disbelief and the level of belief that you have. Uh, they are flawless because Allah created them flawless. They uh, have, they are intelligent, yet they do not uh, do anything without the permission or asking permission from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Now, here's something very interesting. Here's a very, I'm going to end it with this. I'm going to end it with a very interesting uh, answering a very interesting question. Which is better in the sight of Allah, an angel or a worshiping? believer a true believer from the humans who do you think is better in the sight of allah let me answer this question and inshallah we will end with that the, the short answer is the true believer from the humans is more honored and preferred in the sight of allah and the reason is angels do not have the freedom of choice so worshiping Allah is is in their DNA. We have the freedom of choice. So if we choose to completely worship Allah in the way Allah wants us to worship Him, to worship Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the way, best way possible and the best way we can, that gives us advantage because we didn't have to do that. We could have chosen laziness. We could have chosen not worshiping Allah, so that gives us a little bit of an edge over uh, over angels because it makes sense, you know. At the end of the day, they do not have the freedom of choice; we do. And if we choose to obey Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, then it makes us better. And of course, at the end of the day, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala made the angels prostrate to Adam, out of respect, by the way, not out of worshiping. Just to clear, if there's any confusion here. Angels prostrated to Adam. This is the moment where uh, Satan refused to prostrate, which shows you that, again, angels do not disobey Allah for any reason. But Satan chose to disobey Allah, and he said, I would not uh, you know, uh, prostrate uh, to uh, a creation that created out of mud while you created me from fire. He was too arrogant. But anyway, so uh, angels prostrated to Adam. And jinn were commanded also to prostrate to Adam, but of course Satan refused. Uh, and that shows that Adam, because he was a true believer, of course, he is more honored than angels. But of course, terrible human beings are not more honored than angels, just to make that clear. Uh, only true believers are more honored than angels. But at the end of the day, it's not a matter of competition. Angels uh, love the believers. Uh, and angels uh, you know, are willing to... To more than willing to make dua for the believers by, of course, uh, you know, uh, by uh, permission from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So yeah, we can gain a lot of rewards just by doing the right thing, very small things that will make angels make dua for us. Just make dua for your brothers and sisters. Just do little, just tiny things. You know, make the wudu before you go to sleep. These things will increase your inshallah your chances in going to. Uh, Jannah and avoiding hellfire. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.